again. Welcome. We're glad you're here this morning. We are continuing in our series called Common Tables. And as you recall, the core mission of Jesus, um, some of the words he said was the son of man came eating and drinking. And so we are in this series looking at the meals of Jesus and the meals he shared with people and how that embodied the kingdom um, when he ate with people. And so it's been a really fun series, a good series. We've had prompts every week, kind of encouraging us of things to do. And last night, I don't know, uh, the women around the room, I'm seeing some familiar faces. We had the Five Insides women's dinner out on the dock. It was lovely, and it just fits so well in this theme that we are in, and it was kind of unexpected, not even planned that way. But I personally met new friends last night that I didn't know before, so it was just really great to fellowship and to be together and to share a meal. And then the the beauty and the community that comes out of that is really great. And then I was looking at the prompts, and one of them was deliver a meal to someone. And I, I remember thinking, who am I going to deliver a meal to? That's, that's a fun challenge. And then uh, John and I, we had a knock at the door, and our neighbor came and delivered a meal to us. Totally out of the blue. It was amazing. Just wanted to thank us and said, you guys are great neighbors. And he brought us a meal as they were having a cookout. I was like, that's really cool. And so then I didn't actually deliver a meal to anybody else. But, hey. <laughs> We, we reap the benefits of it. Uh, anyway, so we're continuing in this series, and Wes Vanderlucht, our lead pastor, is speaking this morning and really looking at our propensity to distraction. Whew, this is going to be one that's going to challenge me for sure. Uh, definitely succumb to that, where you, know, you want to be intentional, want to really pay attention to the people around you, and just so easily distracted. And so as we move into our lament this morning, and as you recall, our lament portion is really, really where we wrestle with the brokenness in our world and where we are out of alignment personally. And what we've been doing in this series is asking members of our community to write an original piece uh, based on a prompt that they've been given. And so this morning, again, looking at this theme of distraction, Catherine Kirkendall is going to share her original piece. For those of you who don't know Catherine, she has been at Warehouse for many years, 10 plus years, and I believe I just learned holds the record for the largest small group ever at Warehouse, like 40-some people. So um, at least 40 people know her. Uh, Catherine's been a great leader here in our community, so we're excited to hear what she has to share. So again, welcome to Warehouse. We're glad you're here. Fragments. Slow Saturday morning, light creeping in, a feast prepared for old friends passing through, a chance to press into life and talk through hard things. Desire for depth. Reality only skims the surface, fragmented and broken. Sipping coffee, I ask, how is work? Has the business slowed down yet? Tell me more about your relationship. How's your wife? A baby cries. My focus diverted. Cries turn to wailing, not to be ignored. One second, I say, he's hungry. You were saying, you're worried? Little hands tug on our sleeves. Do we have yogurt? Milk? Will breakfast be ready soon? What are we having? Can she have syrup? Honey, are you almost finished with the waffles? As I turn, a friend walks in, a baby on her hip. I think to myself, he's getting so big. How's he sleeping? 
is she feeling okay? How is she feeling with two kids? A sentence starts and a baby cries. I'll ask her later, I think. The doorbell rings. Oh no, is it that late already? Where did the time go? I have to run. Quick bites, hurried goodbyes, promises to see each other again soon. Chaos. My head spins trying to take it all in at once and I'm left with fragments. Unfinished moments. How is his marriage? Is she doing okay with motherhood? What did he say about his job? I forgot to even ask. Disjointed, unfocused time. My desire for depth only skimmed the surface. We live in what many writers now call the age of distraction. On multiple levels, we are in a crisis of attention. Attention, lack of attention and distraction due in part to our own habits and our own routines, but also due to a a technologically connected, advertisement-saturated environment. I was just at the beach last week with my family, and my goal at the beach is to pay attention to as little as possible, right? The waves, my wife and my kids, and a couple good books. Like, that's what I want to pay attention to. So it was the first day, we're at the beach, just settling in, you know, that first morning. Kids are playing happily in the surf. I just settle into my chair with one of those good books, and here comes this bright red plane. Trailing this big yellow banner. Can you guess what it said? (laughs) Like to save money? Geico. Yeah, you got it. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm not paying attention to the waves. I'm not paying attention to my kids or that book. I'm thinking, you know, gosh, I really was wanting to think about how to save more money on my car insurance. Honestly, it was on my to do list. Dang it. And so I'm thinking about that, and I I succeed in getting that out of my brain. Here comes another plane, trailing this big red banner that says, two locations, 200 stores, Tanger Outlets. And so now I'm thinking, well, I know where I'm not going on a rainy day, uh, but what I could do on a rainy day is watch the World Cup. Viva Mexico! Anybody with me? Thank you. Or Colombia. I saw a jersey. There. And so I I had committed to a device-free vacation, but I'm like, well, I wonder when Mexico is playing. Oh. You know, I wonder what the World Cup song is this year. I'm sure it's not as good as Wave and Flag. Let's, Let's look that up. You know how it goes. Distraction. And in this age of distraction, attention is one of our most valuable resources. There's a wonderful book called The World Beyond Your Head on becoming an individual in an age of distraction. It's by Matthew Crawford. He also wrote, um, oh shoot, what's it called? Uh, Shopcraft as Soulcraft. It's a great book. But so he argues that in order to take the necessary steps to protect and steward our attention, we need to treat it like a precious resource, like food, water, money. 
In fact, he writes this. He says, distractibility might be categorized as the mental equivalent of obesity. There's a lot of reasons for this. Part of it is our, our addiction to being distracted, right? Smartphone addiction is a real thing. You know this. Uh, but there's also confusion about what really matters because we pay attention to what we think really matters, what we value, what we think is important. And so if it's true that you pay attention to what you value, Crawford then observes that our distractibility reveals an agnosticism about what really matters. We don't know what matters, or we're confused about it, or we, we, we maybe don't care, and so we let our attention flit this way and flit that way, never landing on something or someone long enough to let our affection for that person or that thing grow, to let our commitment to that person or, or that thing grow. Now, as it relates to the series, meals are a prime opportunity to pay attention most of the time. Uh, meals can be distracting, and yet meals are also this mundane and, and yet marvelous way of embodying the mission of God to pay attention to each other and to God and to love by paying attention. So that's the direction we're going to go today. This is the fourth week in Common Tables. So for the fourth meal in Je- of Jesus in Luke is what we're looking at. We've looked at a meal of surprising inclusion, a meal of extravagant grace. We've looked at a meal of daily dependence. So today, in this fourth meal in Luke 10, we are going to focus on what is a meal and a habit of unhurried attention. And we're going to learn a little bit more about Jesus and his mission, and we're going to learn a little bit about how we might inhabit that very same mission through our meals. So this is Luke 10, 38 to 42. Why don't you stand with me as I read this, if you're able. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. It'll be on the screens as well. It says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of God. You can have a seat. All right, before we get into the juicy details, and there are many in this text, I want to ask the question, which one do you identify with, Martha or Mary? Do you identify with Martha, the conscientious host, the task-driven, wanting everything to be in order, keeping the table and kitchen tidy, whisking plates away when people are finished, refilling drinks, making sure everyone's comfortable, ending the dinner on time so people can have the rest they need? Or do you identify with Mary, the one who gets lost in the conversation, not caring that the dishes are piling up, no concept of time, just lost in the conversation, lost in the people? Okay, so I'm definitely a Martha, whereas my lovely wife is a Mary, uh, which means she sometimes doesn't even eat at dinner parties. She's so wrapped up into the conversation and the people there, I have to remind her there's food uh, to eat. 
And, and sometimes that means, because I'm a Martha and my wife is a Mary, uh, we have perhaps at some points uh, have some disagreements about how to host people in our home or what it means to go places, how long we should stay, all of those kinds of things. Um, and it's really easy to judge each other, isn't it? It's easy for Marys to judge the Marthas. It's easy for the Marthas to judge the Marys. Thankfully, uh, Stephanie's never used this text as a weapon to, uh, <laughs> against my Marthaness. Uh, which is good. You know why? Because Scripture is never intended to be used as a weapon. It's used that way a lot. Uh, it's never, and, and, and that's not the point of this text, uh, to prove that like Martha is a lesser person um, and that behind-the-scenes work doesn't matter. We'll get there in a second. But what I want to highlight is just even there, like it's so easy to take a text out of context and then apply it in a way that's actually harmful or hurtful, or unjust. Guys, it happened, I was at the beach, and so I wasn't aware of everything happening, but a leader in our country using scripture to justify separating children from their parents at the border? No. No, you can't, there isn't a scripture that justifies that. It's a misuse of scripture, Romans 13 in this case. And guess what? We have a history of that in our country, and in the church. It's, it's tragic, a history of, of using Scripture to justify slavery, using Scripture to justify subjugation of women, using Scripture to justify genocide of Native Americans. Whatever it may be, Scripture has been wielded as a weapon, and it's wrong. And we need to name when it happens, and we need to point to a better way. And so I just thought it was my responsibility to do that this morning, and also to point out this is why we lead with scripture every Sunday morning because we have a commitment to sit under the word not over it and by sitting under the authority of God's word it means letting the world of scripture shape our imaginations and worldviews and attitudes and practices rather than forming those practices worldviews whatever apart from scripture and then going to scripture to justify them see the difference oh it's a huge difference and our commitment is to the former. Um, and I also thought it would be good to pause uh, and, um, and just pray about these children, about the situation, and uh, that God would have mercy and give wisdom. So I'd invite you to pray with me. A um, couple things. One, when you pray, I, I've found that taking a different posture is hugely helpful. It helps you pay attention, given the theme of the day. Um, and so I'm actually going to kneel, partly because I have a really bad back right now, and it feels good, <laughs> too. Um, but maybe kneeling doesn't work so well in these chairs, but maybe just raise your hands. Take some kind of different posture that will enable you to, um, to pay attention to this conversation with God. So let's pray to him now. God of Shalom, we know that you have designed this world to function with right relationships beautiful relationships with you and with each other and with the world. And so it hurts and it's painful. I know it hurts you, God, when those relationships are deformed, when they're broken, when they're twisted, when they're misaligned. God, have mercy on the children that are separated from their parents at our very border. Give them courage and hope. It's not the way it's supposed to be. 
and we long for things to be made right. God, for the glory of your name and for the dignity of people made in your image, may this never happen again. And in the meantime, what I pray for us is that not only would we learn how to be good advocates, but that we would learn the very posture that you require to have before your word of humility and receptivity and attention. We want to pay attention to you, God. We want to pay better attention to you. So give us the grace to do that even today as we unpack this little portion of your word. May we not twist it or use it to our own purposes. May we not arrogantly think that we already know what the answers are and that we would come to you with open hands and open hearts and a willingness to live differently because of how you've revealed yourself in the scriptures. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay. Back to Luke. One of the keys to understanding this little passage in Luke 10 correctly is to know that in this context, uh, men and women operated in completely different spheres. So we had all the things that men did, which included being an honored guest at someone's, someone else's house. And you had all the things that women did, which included preparing for meals and serving the men. So men and women didn't intermingle. Think of the more uh, traditional Muslim uh, nations and cultures today. That's more what it was, it was like in the first century, okay? And so um, dinner parties with honored guests were for the men. And it was the women's responsibility to make the preparations and to, to be the hospitable uh, welcomers and servers. And as a result, uh, look at Martha. Martha was not only generous in welcoming this, this stranger, but honored guest, into her home and welcome by, by serving this meal. But she was also respectfully honoring, wanting to respectfully honor the, 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 the cultural roles and standards by focusing on what she was supposed to focus on in that context, and then asking Jesus to rep- reprimand her sister, who she was embarrassed by, for stepping outside of those boundaries and doing something that was awkward and out of place. Right? So women didn't sit at the feet of a male guest to learn. That didn't happen. Only men did that. So this was an embarrassing situation. And that context only makes Jesus' response even more surprising and even more radical. Let's look at it again. Verses 41 and 42, he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from you, from her. This is a revolutionary thing to say. Revolutionary thing to say. For starters, Jesus was declaring the radical equality of men and women. In that culture, it's a very radical thing to be saying. He's saying, look, there is a lot more important things to be worrying about than what men should be doing and what women should be doing. That's a distracting debate. Let's focus on what really matters. And what is that? Well, according to Jesus, there's only one thing that really matters— which is to pay attention to him as the embodiment of God himself. If that's true, then in this moment, Mary is modeling exactly what our main mission in life should be, which is to hear the voice of Jesus and to do what what he says. 
So he's elevating Mary uh, as a beautiful example. But in doing that, Jesus isn't trying to diminish the good that Martha has been doing for him either. Um, Anytime you repeated someone's name twice in in the first century culture, it was a, a sign of deep respect and affection. So Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha, I love you. What you have done for me is is beautiful. Thank you for welcoming me into your home, serving me. But you need to realize there is no more important thing in this moment than paying attention to me. Even though there are many other things that deserve your attention. So the first big point for today is exactly that. That paying attention to Jesus as the incarnation of God is the main thing is the most urgent thing, is the most important thing. Let's put that up on the screen. Simple, but yet not. Because it's so easy to get distracted by so many other things. Bad things, good things, neutral things, everything. And to raise the ante here, let's think about attention. Uh, The French philosopher, mystic, political activist, Simone Weil, writes that attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity, therefore of love. Because in truly paying attention, what do you have to give? You have to give your time. You have to give your energy. You have to give your your mind and your heart. You have to give your, your love to the person that you are paying attention to. And that's why paying attention to Jesus is the most natural, fitting, appropriate response to the way that God has paid attention to you. I've said in previous weeks that the whole point of Jesus coming was to make lost people his companions, to to make it possible that we could feast with God forever. And he did that by paying attention to us. At the heart of this process is God's generous attentiveness to our humanity, to our situation, to our individuality. And then at the heart of that process also includes our responsive attention to God, which then liberates liberates us to pay attention to others. So here's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking in everything that he's saying, all the nonverbals, all the verbals, And this is a beautiful picture of what it's all about. Because Jesus pays attention to Mary and affirms her presence at his feet. Radical, revolutionary, generous. And Mary pays attention to Jesus and affirms his authority over her life. Humble, faithful, generous. This is Christianity. This is following Jesus. It's what it's modeling right here before us. And, and, and so what we need to ask are, there are many important things. This is what matters the most. So what's distracting us? What are those things that draw our focus away, that keep us from, from paying attention to Jesus as the main thing? How can, can I reevaluate and restructure my life so that my habits and priorities reflect this as the main thing. If attentiveness to Jesus takes time, 
how much time are you taking? If attentiveness to Jesus takes energy, how much energy are you expending? If attention to Jesus requires our whole hearts and minds and bodies and souls, how much of those are you devoting? To Jesus, learning from him, receiving from him, obeying him, trusting So this is the first thing that we need to be discerning from the text today. There's another really important detail here, though, which is directly connected to the first. And and this detail is, is that in this exchange, I think we need to realize how quickly Martha assumes that Mary shouldn't be at the feet of Jesus. And other people in the room, apparently, as well. Assuming, well, of course, Mary shouldn't be at the feet of Jesus. And then when you expand that out and you look at This pattern in the Gospels of people doing this all the time. People all the time assuming that the wrong people are at the feet of Jesus. These people shouldn't be feasting with Jesus. These people shouldn't be feasting with Jesus. Look, uh, so here it's it's a woman, um, and, and that's a theme in the Gospels. The Pharisees are all the time getting at Jesus and objecting that sinners and tax collectors are at the feet of Jesus and feasting with him. You've got his, his disciples, the people who are closest to Jesus, objecting that the sick and the untouchables are at the feet of Jesus and feasting with him. You've got the disciples as well, objecting that children are at the feet of Jesus and feasting with him, and that Jesus is welcoming them. So there's a pattern here, a pattern we need to pay attention to, because what's Jesus' response every time when someone raises that objection? If so-and-so shouldn't be at your feet, so-and-so shouldn't be feasting with you, Jesus says, You don't understand. These are exactly the kind of people who should be at my feet and feasting with me. If you don't get that, you don't get the kingdom. You don't get the gospel. You don't get me. These are exactly the kind of people that I want to pay attention to, Jesus is saying. And they're exactly the kind of people who naturally want to pay attention to me because they recognize how much they need me how much they want transformation, how much they want vibrant wholeness, and that somehow I have the power to offer that to them. So if that's true, then I think we need to make this personal by asking the question, are there people that I don't think deserve to be at the feet of Jesus? Are there people that I think don't deserve the attention of Jesus? Do I think that children deserve the attention of Jesus? Do I think that immigrant children deserve the attention of Jesus? Deserve to be at his feet and feast with him? Do I think that prisoners deserve to be at the feet of Jesus and to feast with him? Do I think that the homeless deserve to be at the feet of Jesus and to feast with him? I don't know what what you might struggle with, what type of people you think may don't deserve to be there, but um, the correct answer is everyone deserves to be there. And the more that we pay attention to Jesus, the more that we're going to realize that. The more we pay attention to these stories and these interactions, just like this one in Luke 10, the more we see this connection between paying attention to Jesus and paying attention to people who are most disadvantaged, marginalized, hurting, Say it this way, paying attention to disadvantaged, marginalized people is actually another way of paying attention to Jesus. Several teachings in the Gospels that 
direct us in this direction. Matthew 25 is probably the most prominent. Uh, If you look at Matthew 25, starting in verse 35, I don't have it here, but Jesus is saying there's going to be a time when I commend you for noticing that I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, that I was thirsty and that you gave me something to drink, that I needed shelter and you brought me in, that I needed clothes and you clothed me, that I was sick and a prisoner and you remembered me and you visited me. And the disciples are like, that doesn't make any sense. You've never been those things. And Jesus says, every time you pay attention to and respond to the least of these brothers of mine in those situations, you have paid attention and responded to me. Whoa. So what you're saying is that we pay attention to you through other people? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Loving me is so directly connected to loving neighbors, especially needy neighbors, that there's no separation. That paying attention to Jesus leads us to paying attention to our neighbors, and paying attention to our neighbors leads us to pay attention to Jesus. They are united. They are integrated. You cannot separate them. And that's exactly why Luke placed this little story in Luke 10 right after the parable of the Good Samaritan. So not only is, is, the, is the whole um, uh, context of, of the text we're looking at important, but its situation in, in the whole chapter and, and, and book is important too, and like the order of things. So Luke has just placed the parable of the Good Samaritan here in Luke 10 to show us, okay, this is what love and attention looks like to your neighbor and to God. This is a story about how to be a neighbor through attentive generosity. And he ends... He ends that parable of the Good Samaritan by saying, go and do likewise. And then here's Mary doing that to Jesus, a needy stranger in the home, paying attention, whereas Martha's distracted. So pay attention to me and my words, Jesus is saying, and then go pay attention to your neighbor, especially your neighbor in need, and you'll find yourself paying attention to me. It's a mystery. It's beautiful. It's the Christian way. So what does all of that have to do with, with meals, with, with this series? Uh, two simple things, and they relate to those two main points. The first is that meals are a, a daily opportunity to pay attention to Jesus. And the reason is because uh, meals remind us that we need spiritual nourishment just like we need physical nourishment. This is why Jesus used uh, the metaphor, I am the bread of life, I am the living water, You need me for true life and vibrant wholeness and spiritual flourishing just as much as you need your daily meals and your water. And so every meal is this reminder that that is who Jesus is to us. And so let's give thanks. Let's remember. Let's pause. Let's celebrate. Let's pay attention to Jesus in this moment. And then let's eat. So every meal is this prompt to pay attention to Jesus and to Father and Spirit. And then meals are an opportunity to pay attention to people. Maybe not all the time, especially if they're that story of little kids, like I'm living that, and I understand it's distracting sometimes. Um, but meals, at least once in a while, on a regular basis, are this beautiful opportunity not only to pay attention to uh, your friends or your spouse or your family, but to neighbors and to strangers and to hurting people to welcome them to your table, to pay attention, to listen, to be generous, to love. Meals bring us together and give us opportunity to pay attention. But here's the thing about paying attention. It's not easy. 
takes a lot of practice, takes a lot of perseverance because it involves listening and involves empathy and vulnerability and curiosity and asking good questions. And so we need practice. We need, we need prompts to do this, which is the whole rationale behind uh, the prompts on the card and, and is integrating this in the series of, okay, let's do it. Let's, let's practice it together. Let's get used to these rhythms that help us embody the mission of Jesus to love God and neighbor. So this week, uh, the prompt is simple. It's uh, make a simple meal to eat with someone you'd like to get to know better. During that meal, basically make it all about them. Have them tell their story. Listen attentively. Ask good questions. Unleash your imagination for how you might listen and pay attention well and make that the whole point of the meal. Might have to be after kid's bedtime, just practically. Now, so this is our opportunity. We get to practice paying attention through a meal this week. It's simple, yet it's profound, because we're not just paying attention to the person across the table. That's actually a means to pay attention to God himself, the one who invites you to be his companion and a feast with him forever, and the meal is a practical sign of that reality. So let's pray. God, we bring our full, distracted selves to you. And we're asking for your mercy, and we're asking for more of you. And we know that requires us to pay attention. And we know that you'll give the grace that we need, because you paid attention to us from the very beginning. Your attention to us drove you, uh, drove this whole story of redemption that you are working out in our midst, and that culminates in Jesus. And uh, we know that you'll never stop paying attention to us as a sign of your love and deep generosity. So fill us with that same love and that same generosity, and may it motivate us to pay attention in ways that we've never paid attention before, so that we too can be uh, people who live this good news and spread it to our neighbors. People who pay attention first and foremost to you, and then to whatever people you put in our path and around our tables. We pray this in your name, Jesus. You guys can please have a seat. I want to talk about a few other ways to continue our worship this week, more ways of paying attention to God and others. Um, Get to this in a second. But uh, first, of course, we've got our meal prompt. And I want to clarify something I said right at the end of the sermon, because if we follow the way of Jesus, we need to believe that children are as worthy of our attention as adults. Are you with me? It's true. Um, So whether you have children or whether you're with other people with children, the point is there is a time to pay attention to children and there is a time to pay attention to adults. And so it could be that the person that you're going to listen to is a child. Okay, so that I just wanted to clarify that so there's no confusion. (laughs) Jesus welcomed children. We need to welcome and pay attention to children. All right. The other things I want to talk about involve... um, Opportunities throughout the week to connect and some other things. So first off, actually, speaking of kids, there's people in our church who pay attention to kids every week, and I think they deserve our applause and our thanks at Kids Warehouse. Um, 
all that being said, things change up a little bit in July. I love July. July is our sabbatical month, which means rhythms look a little bit different. Uh, pastors don't teach on Sunday morning. Elders take that place instead. We've got no community-wide events, and kids' warehouse looks a little bit different uh, so that we can just all rest and enjoy each other in relationships. So uh, July, which is next Sunday... Uh, preschool on down. So infants through preschool, you'll check in your kids and leave them over there uh, so they don't, don't bring them in the arena at all. And everyone else comes into the arena with us. So kindergarten on up are all in here for the month of July. Preschool on down, you check them in right away. Uh, don't bring them in for the songs and they'll be over there with paid child care. Every adult uh, uh, is worshiping here who's regularly a part of Warehouse. It's going to be awesome. Uh, If you have any questions about that, talk to Colleen, because Nicole is on sabbatical. Uh, Colleen is the Kids Warehouse coordinator, and uh, she'd love to to tell you more about the Kids Warehouse rhythms. Beyond that, uh, the bird is so that you can identify the meetup at Old Mac Brewery. That's happening every Thursday. Some folks had questions about, well, how do we find the meetup once we go? Well, they will have a bird at the table. So just look for the bird. And hopefully they won't flip it at you. And you, will, sorry, that was just, that was, that was, that was T-ball. And um, yeah, there's more space for more people. It's happening every week during this series. So through the end of July, join and have a conversation and enjoy a beverage and get to know some people. The other thing I want to mention is, uh, is about finances. And I know that Financial stuff can be a red flag for people in church, so this will be brief, and yet it's important because right now, uh, Bob's so happy I'm talking about this, Uh, right now, uh, he's our finance director, we're we're moving giving platform from an old platform that's not as easy and cheap as this newer platform. It is actually really nice. There's an app for it. You can text to give. It's slick. Um, But what it requires is for all of us who have an online giving schedule, and you should have received an email, uh, to migrate your old account to this new one. Bob has laid out really clear steps to make that happen. It'll literally take you a minute. Um, So if you could, today, tomorrow, before you forget, go back to that email, uh, click through, migrate that over, and and you will be a happy camper, I guess. And so will we. Um, Because giving is a really important part of our, our worship and spiritual formation here, so it's good to pay attention to it. In fact, if you don't already have a giving schedule, I would encourage it not only as a a spiritual practice of giving your first and best uh, to the church, um, but also it's really helpful for the church in knowing uh, how to budget, how much income is going to come in, and then how to use those resources wisely. So that's why we encourage that uh, at Warehouse. for other things, you can always go to our skinny, go to the website, find out opportunities to connect, or just talk to one of us now. You could fill out a card as well um, and, and drop that in a yellow box if you have additional questions. But for sure, if God is moving you to spend more time with him now in this moment, in this place, that's what the prayer room is for. You can go and you can continue uh, connecting with him through prayer. Others can guide you through that. Uh, and throughout the week, we love to know your prayer requests, so email us, prayer at warehouse242.org. Please stand with me as I send us out. All right. Receive this benediction and these words that as you leave this place, you may realize that attention is one of your most valuable resources. It is so precious. And so may the Spirit guide you and first and foremost 
paying attention to Jesus and to Father and Spirit. And in doing so, may you have the joy of paying attention to whatever people God uses to cross your path, to bless you, to be a gift to you, including those around your table this week. And we go in grace and we go in awareness knowing that the Spirit is with us every step. Thanks for listening to the Warehouse 242 podcast. If you have any questions or want to find out more about Warehouse, visit warehouse242.org or come join us on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at 2307 Wilkinson Boulevard in Charlotte. Thanks for listening.